0: snap production Market. The S&P. The This is the Motley Fool Money Mailbag
1: Welcome to Motley Fool Money our very special Sunday morning mailbag edition and it wouldn't be a Sunday it wouldn't be a mailbag and it wouldn't be quite as special unless I was joined by Andrew Page G'day mate, how are you? It
0: would still technically be a Sunday but I, I, I get the sentiment oh, okay. and okay. I, pre- I appreciate okay. it how, how are you my friend? <laughs> Very well. You say yeah. I can't rename the day. You well, you know, you say it wouldn't be Sunday. It wouldn't be whatever. It's like, well, I'm it would I can, be. I can it wouldn't be the day. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll admit that it wouldn't be special. I'll take. I'll, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> but it would be Sunday. <sighs> but it would still be Sunday.
1: <laughs> how <sighs>
0: are you? i going down. How are you going?
1: Um, well, I was good until then. I was happy. I was up. I was feeling good about myself. Now I'm questioning my life choices just quietly. I'm not sure what's going on. I, I mean, it's not Sunday detail. anymore. It, yeah, exactly. Hoist awesome. my appetite, petard. Mate, I'm very, very, very well. Thank you for getting up so early on this Sunday morning, getting yourself out of bed, getting of out of your PJs, into the business suit and, uh, and, and ready to answer. Already
0: gone for a run, you know. Uh,
1: done Already the chores. Yeah, yeah well done. Mate, you, tell you what, the, the straw man office is an efficient, efficient place. You know it. You know it. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you what straw man does because, well, you hold that thought. Uh, hello, Scott and Ram, says Lewis. Thanks, Louis, Lewis. I don't. I never know. I'm sorry, Louis or Lewis, whichever one is correct. I, you're welcome. Whichever one's incorrect, I apologise. Thanks again for the consistent supply of thoughts and ideas each week. Is how the email starts. While I personally do agree with both your general sentiments regarding work from home, in the two in the true strawman.com spirit, I do want to add a comment into the mix to see what you both think and if and how you can knock this straw man down oh, i love it see lewis love knows that the straw man it. is not just the character in the wizard of oz mm-hmm. um, wasn't that someone else scarecrow straw man tank. <laughs> the <laughs> quote you'll get replaced by robots end quote argument is of course totally exaggerated and unrealistic mm. however i do feel like many australians should be concerned about offshoring instead allow me to give you an example If I was said Lewis, for example, a large professional services firm, why would I pay relatively high Australian wages to employees working remotely when I can instead pay much, much, much lower wages to, brackets, largely equally skilled, in bracket, professionals abroad in countries such as the Philippines to complete the detailed work and have a much smaller group of relationship managers in Australia managing the clients? It's something I've noticed, both large firms and small companies moving towards more and more, and it actually works really well. He says, "I wonder whether work from home could partially change the landscape for these sorts of roles." So, what do you think? Thanks again, and keep up the good work. That's from Lewis. What do you reckon, mate? Are We uh, cruising yes, for a He's dead right. No, he's dead right. I mean, there's,
0: a, there's, you've got to be careful what you wish for. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, we spoke to the CEO of um, Zoom to you. It's a small ASX company, and oh yeah. A lot of their dev work gets done overseas. And Mm. so that was definitely one of my questions is like, you know, is there a trade-off on that? Obviously, it's cheaper. And it's like, actually, we get incredibly high-quality work out of that team. We've been working with them for a long time, so there's no surprises. And, and, And yes, this is the... Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> there, 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 there are, but I, I don't know if it's if it's going if it's something that is being driven by a desire for people locally to work from home. This is businesses will always try to minimise costs. So even if every single Australian was chomping at the bit to go into the office, there is still a very uh, potentially big driver um, of this yeah. of this kind of offshoring. And this actually phenomenon has been going on for ages. So yeah, I, I think I think I think we should be. Um, Concerned with with that, it is it is increasingly a, a um. It's a smaller and smaller world. We are we are in a global marketplace for the real skills that matter in the twenty first century. I mean, coding mm-hmm. is just like right up there is the skill to kind of have, and they're incredibly yeah. gifted, talented people in all kinds of parts of the world. All they need is an internet connection <laughs> and a basic computer, and they can yep. do their job, and they'll do it for for pennies on the dollar re- relative to someone in Australia who might you know need super and all this other kind of stuff. So yes, yes, mm-hmm. that's that is. That is the world that we
1: are, we are living in. Yep. I 100% agree. In fact, I wrote about this and I'm trying to find the article now, but I can't. It was probably 2020, 2011. 20, 20, exactly that idea. Exactly that point. Uh, the, the thing I think I completely agree with you though is that it was happening already yeah. and it's going to keep happening. Um, it may well, uh, look, I think Lewis was right to some degree, it may well remind employers exactly how many of those jobs can possibly do we can't possibly have uh, chief investment officer of the motley fool the founder of Strawman working from home that might well hang on we can well i guess then maybe we can put them anywhere so you know the, i guess there are jobs where the, it's, very, it's very
0: academic until it comes until uh-huh. there's a
1: knock on your door right you think, <laughs> yeah hang yeah. on i mean so yeah you know, call centers have been outsourced for ages tech has been outsourced for ages programs have been outsourced for ages uh back-end accounting has been outsourced for ages uh, as Law says he's been <clears throat> working for a company or at least has um Contact with a company that does exactly that. So, yes, absolutely right. Absolutely spot on. Should be not surprised at all. Uh, it's not new and it's not about work from home or not. Mm. But Lewis is right. This is wage arbitrage going the other way for the first time, right? Yeah. We've, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we've. Th- th- this is the latest version of 40 years of manufacturing going offshore. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, it's, it's not really new at all it's the oldest well, not the oldest in the book but not far off it right you know yep. every Australian company you know Holden closes down bonds goes overseas you know the fact it comes to white collar work should not be unusual should not be new um, so I think I think it's exactly right I don't think it's about work from home though and I think you know again other than the extent to which it accelerates or opens some managers eyes to the fact that I thought that job needed to be done from the office turns out it doesn't mm-hmm. okay now let's, let's look at offshoring mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely 100% right Yep.
0: So make um, make yourself as valuable as yeah. you can, I suppose, which is which is probably always true, but particularly yes. true. Yes. Here is what I reckon, though. I reckon that, that trend is going to change again very rapidly. The world the world Tell is just what. changing. It's so such a rapid pace. Howard Marx mm-hmm. wrote about mm-hmm. this not mm-hmm. too long ago. Just like you know, the, things have always sort of well, at least over our the last generation mm-hmm. or two, the pace of change has, has been pretty rapid. I mean, look at the yeah. inventions <laughs> that have happened in the last few decades, mm-hmm. but. Um, I think that things like uh, uh, call centers, things like legal discovery, or mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of these things are actually going where they went to the developing nations yep. because of the wage arbitrage. They're, they're now going to the bots, and it sounds it sounds a bit sci-fi because you kind of think, well, they're not <laughs> that they're not that good yet. Uh, yeah, they are. They're actually <laughs> they're really good. And the thing is, it's kind of this thing at the stage now where there's some stuff that I've seen, which is like blow your mind away and how good it is. And yet six months ago, it was it was like at a much more um, infant level. And so you only have to go out two, three. I mean, we can argue about that. Someone will say, yeah, but that's five years away. Oh, no, it's 15 years away. I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah, want to get into right. that debate, but it's coming. Yeah. It's coming yeah. and where you, you can have um, uh, a, a bot who never sleeps, who you pay Correct. for once. Correct. You can yep. have a thousand yep. instances of, they can do everything. They can speak any language that you like. Mm-hmm. They know all about you. I mean, it's just, this is, it sounds, it sound, I know how it sounds like as the words come out of my mouth, But but dig into <laughs> it. Do your own research, as they say. Yeah. And you will yeah. see that this is something that is right around the corner. It's like I remember you and I back in the day when we used to go into the the, the Triple M offices to do this. You know, yeah, back in twenty sixteen, and so we were talking yeah, about self driving. Yeah. You know, it was like oh, one yeah. day. It's like <laughs> you know, it's, it's here. It's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not even much. a question anymore. Yeah. What the, yeah. the, the 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 thing that's stopping that is mm-hmm. is legislative and regulatory. It's not technology. Uh, and that was like five six years ago. Mm. So. I don't know what to, I don't know what to say. Like, um, <coughs> yeah. learn
1: programming. What's happening? <laughs> yeah. Well, even then, programming, right? Like, I, I think this. I, honestly, when I'd go the other way. I would go soft skills, for exactly that reason. You know, if you if you can type code on a screen, and that code doesn't require specific in person you know coding is gonna be one of the more transportable skills in the world right type this, type this you know i, I run, you're, you're learning a computer language i mean like, the very idea of like once you're not you learn the language and i learn language and the guy from the philippines and the guy in vietnam the guy in bangladesh and the guy in india and the guy in new zealand and the guy and we all we all learn oh, let me just be fun basic right mm-hmm. you know, i learned at school once we all learn basic that that's it like, that is literally it mm-hmm. you know um mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know how I would. Well, we got both young kids, mate. I don't know how you I would future-proof the kids. Mm. Maybe they do you a know, program as part of their jobs, but it's not going to stop the offshore or anything. That's I think that's one of the easiest things to offshore. I, I I don't know what you do. If if you um, in fact, so here's the thing. If you look at many uh, animated cartoons, uh, movies these days, you'll notice a lot of them. This is this is horrible generalisation and and stereotyping. But in some cases you'll a lot of the names have the same cultural background i don't mean mm. a particular one i mean any mm. particular one mm. because the entire production gets offshore to wherever and sometimes it's done in china sometimes it's done in taiwan sometimes it's done in canada sometimes it's done wherever mm. um because and they, they're literally shopping that stuff around yeah um so yeah i, I don't know mate I, I, you're not wrong about programming by the way but i i don't know if that protects Hack kids from, from, from offshore, I have to say. The, the other thing
0: that's really interesting is that, uh, you know, a lot of people have been talking about this stuff for a while. They've, they've, mm, they've, they've mm. seen it coming. And the, yep. the the one of the assumptions was some some things are really easy to envisage in terms of being mm, mm, um, mm. disrupted or, or being replaced by a machine. The, yeah. the newest stuff that's coming out, you should see some of the art that's being generated by AI. Oh, really? Like, oh, my God. Like, just start following some of it on Twitter. You, you would... I. <laughs> I would challenge you to work out which music composition or which painting oh, wow. okay. was done by a computer. It's that good, and so you can okay. actually get on. Um, uh, uh, I've gone blank on the big. Was it Dali? I've, I've gone blank on the on the the big one now. But there's a, there's a bunch Take of them out open. there, and you can you can know <laughs> the computer program, and you and you can you can just give it a prompt. Right. so you can yeah. say uh, I did one for an article on straw man I was just I was wrote, writing a bit about uh, a prop, my, uh, houses and holes and I just I put that in <laughs> no. yeah and it gave me an image to use and now <laughs> oh, cool. and now cool. a couple weeks now they've got th- doing that with video mm-hmm. so you all, so so you can oh, just, wow, you can cool. just basically say scene, you know fade from black opens up across a beach at sunset two people walk down holding hands and they will put it it will put 18 no, different right. scenarios of that together. I like that That's one. Incredible. Actually, can you take that one and can you make it um, <laughs> can you put some more seagulls in the background?
1: Yeah. Done. Yeah.
0: Oh, actually, I want it more of a anime style and less of a Disney style. <laughs> yep. Done. And I'm like it sounds like I'm making this That's up. Amazing. And this is yeah. this is cutting edge stuff that we have already got access to. You can just Google yeah. search it and you'll be able to play around with it. So yeah. imagine what this is like in three years, right? Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I don't know what my point is.
1: <laughs> we're all we're all going to a changed. utopia. All, yeah. or, you, know, <laughs> te- like you and I better get find retirement pretty fast, mate. is all, all I'm hearing here, yeah. I'm, I'm hearing we have got you know five seven years at max. We better make some money.
0: It's scary because it actually it actually upends sort of some of the so- social underpinnings when no one's got yeah. any utility anymore. What do you do? Yeah. Potentially, Correct. it's just like you, the, the argument is, well, just make sure you own a bunch of capital. It's like well, that's like saying just hit a bunch of hole-in-one. Like, you know, yes, that was, already a, that was already a desirable thing for a lot of people, but do, does, yeah. does wealth just concentrate to those that own the means of production and everyone else? Mm-hmm. You know, then, then people start talking about universal basic income and so like yes. actually radically rechanging the way we structure society because no one's really bringing anything to the table that a
1: machine can't do 100 times better do you know what's funny mate i tangent on a tangent um i agree with all that except that we could have made the same arguments in 1925 yeah, or 1975 or 1980. Yeah, but it's actually I, happening now. You can, you can. Oh uh, it's different this time. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, but that, uh, well no. you
0: had maybe some people writing some interesting <laughs> thought pieces, yeah. you know, in in Reader's Digest. It's like, oh, one day this will happen. Go, oh, maybe it will. Like, mm. just, take my word for it. Google Google uh, AI AI image generation and that kind no, of stuff. I, You'll I get you get ten different points. and You pop it in, it'll come out right now.
1: I agree with you. I'm just thinking that 25, 75 years ago, that was 96 of us worked in agriculture, right? And mm-hmm. and the future was going to change. None of us would work on farms, and we'd all have to find something to do with our time. We'd have a four-hour work week, and yeah, yeah. that, like, you know, I, I, humanity's ability to create new jobs because we have the the money to do so. You know, technology, we we kind of, you know, the, the <laughs> economic term, consumer surplus, right? Technology gives us this massive consumer surplus. You mean I can do all that with that thing. Okay, well then I'll go do something else. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we invented washing machine so that women could spend less time working, so they went. And did paid work instead you know yeah. it's kind of one of those you know there's there's a whole lot we, we, we're not we're not lacking for jobs if you looked at the number of jobs now they're being done by people back in whatever what is it one percent two percent of the workforce could be literally tied right back to the same job in 1900 and something and then you know society moves on i don't know i don't you're not wrong about the, the translation no, just, no you're right, the, you're the, right. End, the end of work i think has been predicted forever because of the next generation of technology which happens absolutely happens you're right i'm not not questioning the technology i just wonder know, yeah, is, is that genuinely cause massive unemployment, or does it just change exactly the way things have been changed for the last two hundred years, which is a new thing to do, or a new job, or a new way to spend our money, new new yeah. leisure, or that kind of stuff? So yeah. the
0: kids, the kids at um, my daughter's school were surveyed on what do you want to be when you grew up.
1: And you know what the number <laughs> one, you know what the number one job was? Can I guess? Yeah. Was it YouTube influencer? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's they, what my young bloke wants to do as well. They, <laughs> they all want to do that,
0: and like, like again, that oh, that wasn't oh. a thing that not that oh, long no. ago. And I, have I mean, you tried
1: telling it, your kid you can't do it though? Well, God he, love my young bloke. He's just so sure that's what he's going to do. I'm like, mate, it doesn't always work. You know, it's like these guys. I'll be like those guys, like. There's only one. Of them. Oh, there's two channels. Okay, there's two of them in the world. Like, I, I good love you, chase your dreams, but not very lucky. You're going to be one of those guys.
0: Well, that, that's the thing, though, right? That, like, it, it's one. It's to your point. It's a job that didn't exist, and yeah. it's yeah. possible. I mean, if you've got enough of a personality and you, you're good at sort of yeah. Yeah. making the algorithms like you, then you can. And it's it's the scale mm. is insane. Now you can just it? put some yeah. stuff together from your bedroom and literally reach yeah. you know billions of people. So I, I mean, I don't I don't know. We've it, <laughs> It's it's just a rapidly changing world, and it's 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 both exhilarating yes. and terrifying at the same time.
1: Lewis, great question, mate. Thanks for raising it, and uh, hopefully, you, everyone enjoyed the conversation that came from it. Because, I, yeah, it's it's uh, the, my my kingdom for a look ten, twenty, thirty years in the future, mate. I, I keep yeah. saying the iPhone's fifteen years old, you know, and yeah. everyone knows that, and everyone knows that they know that they know it. But the amount of change in that fifteen years, I don't, I don't, I don't think. Even even that short amount of time, I can't go back 15 years in my head and kind of move slowly forward through time and, and imagine what's going to change. I just, you know, Zoom itself. I mean, Skype, I went to I went to the UK in 2006 or 7 and I was phoning home on Skype, paying whatever rate per hour to call a home phone, which was mind-blowingly, amazingly mm. unbelievable. Mm. And then fast forward that, what, 50, literally, I mean, exactly, I mean, that is literally 15 years ago. I mean... But- uh, you know, and that and that at the time was like, oh my god, you mean I can do this? Three years earlier, it would have been letters. It's amazing. I watched. Uh, I've been going down a bit
0: of a retro rabbit hole with some movies. <laughs> nice. I watched a Michael Douglas movie on the weekend, like the game. It was 1997. Doesn't my head doesn't wow. feel that long ago? Yeah. I but know. it's just like the thing that stands out to you is the absence mm. of technology. Like people are using right. payphone, payphones, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. like a caveman, like knocking two <laughs> rocks together it's sort of like what it's not yeah yeah i
1: can't i can't imagine it either it's really really interesting and then fast forward 15 years bizarre all right let's move on uh, sam sends us a question hi scott and rampage firstly thank you for answering a few of my questions on the pod now it makes me feel important for just a couple of minutes on a sunday sam everyone should feel important for a couple of minutes on a sunday that's my <laughs> fervent belief I'm glad we've been able to help. Andrew, I'm still not yet at that level. But if you've achieved that, then congratulations. Uh, I'm important on a Sunday when I have to make my wife coffee. That's when I'm important. Other than that, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just existing, really. Uh, Sam says, but now down to business. I've read many investing resources, and one of my favorites is The Intelligent Investor by Ben Graham. Wonderful book. Generally, it is recommended to recommended back over the last five years of performance for analysis, if not more. But for the sake of this question, we'll go with five. Can you recommend anywhere that we can easily obtain a five-year performance snapshot, as I'm not aware of any, particularly on a per-share basis, as things can get easily muddy, you're right, when dealing with aggregate revenue and earnings figures, e.g. capital raisings and that sort of stuff. Thanks, as always. Sam, mate, what do you reckon? Five years of data. Is it the right thing to do? Is, is Ben Graham right? And if so, how do you get your hands on such
0: Yeah, it's a good, it's a good one. I'm um, Definitely the history... History counts, right? It's no, it's yep. not a guarantee. Um, it doesn't necessarily re- repeat, but it does rhyme, as Mark Twain or someone said. Like you, yes.
1: was, was Twain? He, JP Morgan.
0: Yes. The the, you. <laughs> I mean, it's things can change rapidly, and you can always get these really um, uh, companies that are just bleeding cash flow turn into profitability and make squillions, yeah. and vice versa, and all of that kind of stuff. But there's something to be said for a company that can sustain growth, that can sustain attractive margins that can maintain solid balance sheets that have been tested in strong economic conditions and weak economic conditions. So it's worth yep. it's worth knowing. Absolutely yep. it is. Um, Yahoo Finance, Google Finance gives you a bunch of stuff for free. Uh, yep. But I, I always, uh, no one does it, but I'll say it anyway. Uh, go to the primary <laughs> sources, ASX.com, yep. look for the announcements. Part of part of your requirement is being a listed company is you have to produce an annual report every year well, at a certain point, you have to reduce quarterly reports. In fact, it's all there in black and white. And what what a lot of these data aggregate aggregators miss, and I see this as a customer of, of one of the biggest data providers for for Strawman, is that this holes all through the data because yeah. someone, again, probably someone in in the, in the Philippines through our earlier conversation, they've paid to sort of like input the data, they've missed something, mm-hmm. and and so. People often go, what? Why is it saying this? Something's wrong. It's like, yeah, it is. Because someone's just unthinkingly typed something in there. Go back. It's not hard. I'm not saying you have to like... Back in the day, I remember you had to like <laughs> order
1: it through the mail and it would get mailed I, out to you. I literally did that. I <laughs> yeah. Think, yeah. Some guys would actually not have them anymore. Oh, we can't go back that far. We haven't yeah. got any left in the in the storeroom. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, man. Go. Just go there, download the PDF and then yeah. control yeah. F, you know? Just yeah, exactly. search it. You'll find
0: around. it in a second. And it, well, yeah. all of the yeah. information... Is there. And mm-hmm. and um, some people listening to that go, that sounds like too hard work. I'm not going to do it. And isn't that a great mm-hmm. thing? Because if you're not one of those people and you can be bothered to do it, and honestly, it's not that hard. You've just got a huge edge over everyone else who's too lazy or couldn't be bothered mm-hmm. doing this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It's all there and it's free. And you do not need, and I can say it because neither of us are in this game, you do not <laughs> need to spend thousands of dollars Correct. from some provider, <laughs> choose my words carefully, who's offering you some system or some software, you can do this and you can backtest, test and you can have all this information. Like they, 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 are, they are just repackaging a lot of this publicly available information. And uh, if you want to, you can spend a lot of people find value in it, um, but you don't have to is all I'm saying. It's all there. It's all free. It's all publicly available. Go have a look at it. Yeah.
1: No, I like it. Um, it's, I mean, yeah, look, I I think the other thing I would say is if even I'm going to moderate your point very slightly, which is just to say you can start with some of that free content and then go from there if you need to make sure that and you absolutely should, to your point, make sure the data is right. Hmm. If you want to eyeball something, you may miss an opportunity that where the data is wrong. uh, But if you find what do they call it? uh, The false positive, false negative thing, right? Mm, Yeah, you, you you, You might miss some false positives if the data is wrong. If there are any false negatives, you catch up with that by saying, gee, this company, I just pull up Woolies just to have a look on Yahoo Finance, for example. Gee, Woolies looks good. Um, I'll just go and pull up the annual report and check that. Mm, after, right. after after I've done my initial couple of goes through the, you know, I found, I found my five three six 12, 84 companies I want to look at more deeply. Great. You're going to gra- hopefully grab the annual report anyway to read what's in there because you should before you're investing. So just flick a couple of pages past of the financial reports, have a look at that while you're there. Make sure there's nothing there to, uh, to to disappoint you. I think it's a, it's a really, really smart way to start, mate. And, and
0: it's really. not even it's not even the the fundamental data that gets muddy like that. Even just if you're looking at basic price charts, things yeah. get missed all the time because companies will yes. do, and they they don't always get adjusted. <laughs> Uh, like things like share consolidations and share splits usually do, but mm.
1: sometimes you get capital returns, sometimes you get special dividends, you get these things, and, and to... They, ne- they never adjusted. Those things are just really good. They're never, ever adjusted. They're adjusted for splits and consolidations, yep. but never for buybacks, never for share issuances, yep. uh, never for special dividends. Ever. And it just or looks like this
0: huge drop dividends. and you go, whoa, something really bad has gone on there. It's like, no, they might have just given a bunch of cash, cold hard cash to their mm. shareholders mm. and the market yep. completely rationally is adjusted on the basis of the... Before this date, you're entitled to the cash. After this date, you no longer were. And perfectly sensible and normal and reasonable for that to adjust afterwards. Mm-hmm. And, yep. and that's what happened. And you just, you're just not going to, if you rely purely on just the chart there, you're going to miss some really important
1: information. Yep. Um, yeah, a really simple example, mate, for anyone who wants to play along at home, Webjet. I own shares of Webjet. Um, famously bought them about a week into the COVID pandemic, thinking, they're not going to shut the borders, surely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got that wrong. Um, lesson learned. But uh, but just to, just to prove I'm I'm human like everyone else. Um, but they, during the depths of COVID, issued something like 90% more shares. Yeah. And you don't see it on the chart. And you shouldn't necessarily see it on the chart because it's price per share, which is fine. I By the way, I don't... I think it'd be actually fascinating if a a company, a data provider actually chose to start to do an alternative version of the charts with that stuff in it. I actually would like to see that, but they don't. And that's not necessarily a problem. The reason I call it Webjet particularly, uh, other than rub my own face in it, is if you look at the share price of Webjet, it's $4.84 as you record this. Recording this early, by the way, recording this on a Monday, unusually. So it's not quite Sunday, it's Monday. But there you go, just a bit behind the curtain, but (laughs) share price could change. So I'll call it out now. Before covid In fact, on the 14th of February, the shares were $9.42. Now, someone looks at that and goes, so that's still only half the price. And when business goes back to normal, then I'll be able to dot, dot, dot. Then, you know, look how much upside there is. Mm. That would be true of other, I own corporate travel management. I'll use another one I own just for interest. They didn't issue shares, right? So that that comparison would be a true comparison. With Webjet, you can never see the fact that on this chart, there are now almost twice as many shares. So on a like-for-like basis, WebJet's actually more expensive now than it was pre-COVID, even on a per share base that looks cheaper. If I had to buy the whole company, the whole of WebJet, I would have to pay more now than I had to pay on the 14th of February, 2020, before the big COVID crash. So that's worth just keeping in mind. That's a fantastic example um, of where you should just not take... And again, there's nothing in that. There's no, no share split, no consolidation, nothing else. No one's doing anything dodgy, nothing's inappropriate. But and it's why the, Sam's question about being on a per-share basis is so incredibly valuable, so incredibly important. Yeah. Um, one of the best things to look at, by the way, if you do pull up that data, and almost to almost to that point, Sam, is, is check out um, where they list the number of shares outstanding because you should look for that number. I'm actually interested. I don't think... It doesn't look like... um. Yahoo Finance has that information on their on their stats pages. I will say, if you're a Comsec customer, uh, I have no dog in the fight, but I've used Comsec for years, as most of our listeners know, they absolutely have the, the total shares outstanding count on one of their finance pages. Ah. So you just eyeball, eyeball that. If you don't do anything else, um, eyeball that, go across there, across there, across Be there. Okay, cool. we'll that. Be careful with that, though, too. too.
0: Be careful with go that on. because that's that's going to report to you uh like, so, so, for example, I'm, I'm actually looking at that exact page right now, as it turns out, because oh. I, I, I'm also a customer and I, I use it away. So they're telling me that Webjet <laughs> shares a 380.5 million shares on, on issue. Mm-hmm. That was of March of 2022. In fact, that's not even accurate. That's That's the average number of shares outstanding over the period because sometimes they will raise shares midway through the year and they use this weighted average sort of formula. So sometimes even when you're looking at figures like that, it will not Mm -hmm. be accurate. And just to go even further down the rabbit hole, (laughs) what what you should be doing, I think, Mm -hmm. is that you should be looking at the fully diluted basis of market cap. So what they'll also have is they might have Let's say there's 100 million shares on issue and you go, oh, well, 100 million shares times whatever the share price is, that's what the company is, is worth according to the market. What you might not see is that there's 20 million options uh, or you know, that are escrowed mm-hmm. or, about to, or that are about to be exercised or that are in the money that are going to add to that. Very, very
1: soon as well, which is which is very material to how you might. With no cash input doing- to the company, so the same same business, same value, same profit. All of a sudden, divided by five or ten percent more shares. Yep. Which you know, you say five percent, ten percent, not a big deal. Ask yourself if you'd like the fact that shares, if your share price fell ten percent, whether you'd care. Because yes. that's effectively what it does. It, it 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 reduces your holding by whatever that number is. In Ram's example, it would have been six point seven percent. at twenty million out of three hundred million. Uh, but in it whatever the numbers are, that that is that is real value. Um, transfer from you as the current shareholder to the... Now, the market might have already allowed for that. They may not have. But if you're looking at things like PEs, for example, that looks cheap because whatever. If there's going to be a big share conversion, a big options conversion or exercise, that can make a massive, massive difference.
0: And so someone's obviously going, whoa, whoa it's all very hard. Where do I go? Where do I go? The <laughs> same do do? The same answer. Go to the ASX, uh, asx.com.au and go to the mm-hmm. company announcements and they will mm-hmm. tell you. And you'll be able to scroll down and you'll see something like uh, application for quotation of securities or something like that and there's actual name for one of these things but you'll you'll just you'll you'll see it there and it'll tell you the exact number of shares that exist today and you will be able to see all kinds of things like then go to the annual reports, the number of options that are outstanding, shares that are restricted and waiting to be vested and all of that kind of, it is all there waiting for you to discover and it's, it's, it's not <laughs> a journey into the deep dark wilderness to find it. It, it, it can, I'll admit it's a little intimidating at first because, it's, and it's frustrating, it's like for goodness sakes, why do you have to make things so hard? Mm. There's really no reason for it to be hard. <laughs> um, but That's it, also True by you the way. Know. Yeah. What, what, yeah, a nice, a nice easy hack um, that I've, mm. I sometimes do is you'll find these substantial shareholder notices. And that's, yeah, that's a good one to use. That so, one. so a good one, to, good one to do is, for example, to say, oh, you know, X Y Z mm. has mm. just bought shares in the company. They own this many shares, and that gives them this much voting power. So, if they own ten million shares, and that gives them, you know, seven percent voting power, we'll just divide ten by zero point oh seven, and that'll give you the total number of shares. Mm. So you can mm. you can you can calculate it indirectly a lot of times too. So we've, got, we've 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 again made something that shouldn't be too complicated a little bit more complicated but just a just a few traps for for young players with with uh, looking at shares on issue.
1: Yeah, we worth thinking through. And you know what some of this stuff's going to go over your head if you're new. Some of this stuff will start clicking in place as you do more. Frankly, you'll make some mistakes like this from time to time. It's kind of investing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no you know people say well, what 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 do I need to do to invest or what data should I look at or what whatever and, and the the it's it's not it's not super complex. It's not super easy either. It's not super obvious either. And the lessons you learn are the lessons you learn with anything when you go through and have the experience, right? And you can't... An, if I, if, I, if Andrew and I wrote the 600-page textbook as to what you should look out for, no one would read it. Uh, if you wrote a three-page pamphlet, nothing would be covered in it. And so the, the, the aim of not only our podcast but you as an investor is to just go through and try and aggregate... Add to your learning as you go. Learn a few more things. Learn a few more things. Build up some knowledge. Get things roughly right rather than precisely wrong. You will get caught out with a share issue. Your bike looks too cheap on a PE basis and you realize, oh, it's because there was some, you know, options that hadn't been issued yet. Or you'll you'll look at Webjet and go, gee, it's cheap. I'll buy it because it's half the price it was pre-COVID. And then you'll realize that there was too many shares on issue. Whatever those things are, whatever those experiences are. uh, Well, hopefully this podcast helps you avoid some of them. Hopefully it plants some little seeds that will grow. Um, over time and help you kind of work through that process, but that's just, you, you, you know, I there will be some people listening, to that mate, who are saying right now, this all feels too hard. Another and another thing, and another thing. Oh my god, how am I supposed to get your head around this? This is not worth, not for me, not worth doing. Uh, for some of you, it's not worth doing. Great, buy an ETF. Uh, for some of you, it is worth doing. Just know that you're not going to know everything up front And Andrew and I would have would have had, you know, we're not that smart as it is, but we would have had a lot less knowledge. 10 15 20 years ago when we kicked this stuff off uh, as individual investors let alone as professionals it is just what has to happen as you invest the more you read the more you listen the more you look the more you research that's just how knowledge aggregates can i say something as well i've said this before
0: too don't don't feel as though even with what you said there it's like oh there's been this learning so now we know it. i guarantee you oh, yeah. if you meet 57 year old me <laughs> i will look back at current me and yes. go oh Bless his little cotton socks. Like you know what?
1: <laughs> he, thought he, he had it worked out. <laughs> he had it. You know, there's so much,
0: so much he didn't understand. I I, I know exactly. that like, as sure as, yeah. as the sun will yeah. rise tomorrow. I I know that 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 uh, it's it's just a journey. I don't think you ever stop kind of learning. Yeah. And the only other point I wanted to make too is that with with um this is why this is why systems don't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone yes. ever tries to yes. offer you a trading yes. system, an investing system... All you have to do is... All you have yeah. to do is look for this, you know, and people will say, oh, you look for a debt equity below this, or a PE that's... Da, 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 and there you yeah. go, and then yeah, that's, yeah, a, yeah. that's the formula for success. Now, do you get through rationally, if mm-hmm. if that's all it was, well, then lots of people would be doing it. And if everyone was doing it, then it kind of arbitrages the exact opportunity away. It ceases to exist just by the ver- very mere prosecution of the strategy. Because those... Uh, the, the simple act of no one's got, if everyone knows what exactly makes a great formula, correct, a great, you know, That's well, right. I'm not going to sell at that price because I know that it's cheap and and it just, the price will move to reflect all of the available information. We end up in the, in the fantasy land of the efficient market hypothesis and, and thank God we don't, right? Because mm-hmm. th- there will always be these, these vagaries and these butts and the exceptions and stuff, which means that, Thankfully, when the computers take all our jobs, (laughs) hopefully we'll be one of the last to go because there are some things that you just can't systematize uh, uh, in that way, I would say. And you said before, like, oh, we could write a book and it would tell you everything. Even then, it would still leave a huge amount of discretion, right? Because you might say, and Buffett's been doing this for 50 years, been spelling (laughs) out exactly. And he'll say, look for a a company with a strong competitive advantage. Yeah. And, well, yeah. I'm not going to argue with that, but okay, can, can you define what that looks like? <laughs> exactly. It's um, hard. Well, yeah, Lots yeah, it's- of subjectivity there. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener.
1: Mate, I'm going to, uh, well, let's just say I like Paul. Paul has sent us a, an email, a request. He hasn't asked about Bitcoin because Paul's a smart bloke. He's instead wants to talk about Pats and brickworks. And he's a man of my own heart. So, Paul, he says, good morning, wise fools and straw people, which I like. Uh, (laughs) I am looking to add a little more stability or core-like balance to the force or my portfolio, he says. Bit of Star Wars there for us. And whilst having some ETFs is okay, I do prefer direct stocks, listed investment companies and the like. I'm looking to add either soul Pats or brickworks. I know there's a complicated mutual love-in structure, and I think the management of both are sound, but I'm struggling to work out what sort of metrics I should use to choose between them. Is it just the cheaper PE ratio, in which case it's Brickworks all the way, or the EPS, which again seems to be Brickworks, EPS is earnings per share for those who are playing at home, or is it a matter of whether I like the building components of Brickworks, which I think are okay, and probably sold out in any case? I would, of course, love both your opinions on the key fundamental metrics you would look at but I'm very keen in particular for Scott's idea, as I know Scott, you are a SoulPats shareholder. I love the show and appreciate it immensely. Thank you, Paul. Now, I should disclose I own both of these companies just to make things more complicated, Paul. So I am probably going to give you an it depends answer. Uh, Rand, do you want me to just kick off this one or do you, would you like to kick it off? No, you, you're far far more qualified. Take it away. All right. Not, not qualified, but I, I own both and I have owned, so I've owned SoulPats for years. I've owned Brickworks only for a short amount of time. Um... But don't Hope. you by
0: Sorry, but don't you by
1: owning Solpat's own Brickworks? Partly, yes. And this is, this is exactly Paul's question of how do you choose between them? Because they're, they're, they're different in composition more than anything else, really. And that's all it, all it is. So let's start with the structure. Um, not super, super exciting, but interesting enough, background-wise. Back in the day there were a whole lot of corporate raiders going down. These, these um, venture capital, private equity mobs have always been around looking for good deals. They were called corporate raiders back in the day. I think this was back in the 70s from memory. Uh, not that I was here, at I wasn't, wasn't investing at that point, but I, I believe that's the story. Anyway, to stop your company being taken over, what you could do, you can't do it anymore. The ASX has banned it. What you could do is you could do a deal where you'd buy a share of someone else and they'd buy a share of you. And as long as they had effectively a blocking state in each other, that would prevent either company being taken over. So the Motley Fool could buy 40% of Straw Man, a straw buy 40% of the Motley Fool, and you couldn't really bid in one or the other business because the individual shells would vote against the takeover, making each business takeover-proof. That's kind of how the whole thing came about. And right now, they own about 40% of each other. The numbers are slightly different. It's not overly relevant for this purpose. But that's why they did it. Now, that's 50-odd years ago. ASX has banned that approach these days. Uh, I don't really have a, I don't care either way which way you, you, you go on this one, but that's that's what had happened in the past. So that's where we start. Now, what makes that challenging then is because they own part of each other, how do you value one of them? If, you, if you're valuing Salt pats because they own 40% of Brickworks, you put 40% of Brickworks value in, but then if Brickworks earn 40% of Salt pats, then you've got to put 40% of that back in, we'll take it back out again, and all of a sudden it's turtles all the way down, as Andrew likes to say. <laughs> so it's, it is really, really, really complicated. If you wanted you can't be it's very very hard to be very absolute about this for all of those reasons so that's the starting point the easiest business to analyze from that perspective then is actually brickworks as a starting point because brickworks effectively has three business pieces it has a brick work <laughs> a brick business quite literally that's why i called brickworks bricks and tiles it has a property division and it has an investments division that investments division is almost entirely shares in salt pats. so that's kind of the three parts of the brickworks pie when you look at Solpats, it's a it's a listed investment company of sorts. It's more an operating conglomerate, investing conglomerate, really, because it has some wholly owned businesses. It has some majority owned businesses like Brickworks or, or I don't know, majority, I suppose, 40%, but you know what I mean? Large equity stakes. It has an equity portfolio. Uh, it's got cash. Again, it's another really, really complex business. The best way to actually look at this is to grab Solpats' last annual report. They actually split up the net asset value by majority segment and they actually will spell that out for you so you can see exactly how the assets are kind of structured and tabled it's a bit complex it's not super difficult um, but you do have to do a bit of detective work and kind of bring it all together to kind of make it work which is useful so you do that see how you get to from there um, the good thing if you like because that information is provided you can get a sense of what the company's worth per share using that information and then just reverse calculate it so what the current share price is um, so that's that's the easiest way for a net asset value to work out. Solpats. The difference between the two businesses, is basically, as you kind of suggest, Paul, is Brickworks brick business. If you buy Brickworks, you're getting Solpats plus some bricks and some property. Uh, so if you if you like more bricks and more property than less, you buy Brickworks. If you look at Solpats, Pats, just like, I want the Solpats investment business. So I'll buy Solpats, and that's all you get. Um, so you know, if if you think the bricks are a net positive. And you want more exposure to that or you want that they're a negative or at least a, a neutral offering and you want less exposure to that then you might go towards Solpats. pretty i won't say easy when you're looking at the value of Solpats in either case though whether it's as part of brickworks or as part of Solpats, and this is where the p does not work at all paul there's some really boring accounting which i will touch on very briefly i know it's sunday morning uh but if the listeners want to know a bit about these sort of companies it's worth having a think about Depending on how much of a company, so SolPats owns other businesses in part and in whole. And so as a, as a result, it accounts for those businesses differently depending on how much of it it owns. If you own a business entirely, you what you call consolidate the numbers into the business. So if I owned a uh, plant nursery and a car yard and I own them both entirely, I would report the combination of those together, add all the revenues together from both. I'd add all the costs together for both, add all the profit together for both, and i get one number. If I, though, owned more than 20% of that car received kind of not the lot, there's different accounting rules. If I own less than 20%, then I just account for the dividends that I receive, and the operating earnings themselves don't actually account for anything at all. And if that's not complicated, then you haven't been paying attention. So <laughs> the problem with the PE is, let, let's, take a, let's take a really, really great, great example. Let's say the Motley Fool owned 10% of Strawman. And Strawman made $10 million in profit in a given year but didn't pay any dividends. The value on the, the multi Fool's P&L would be zero from Strawman in terms of the incremental value added. Even though Strawman earned $10 million, if Andrew says, no, I'm not giving you a dividend, I'm going to reinvest that money for growth, we would record no profit that year from that shareholding. If Strawman earned a $1 million in profit and paid $2 million in dividends for some reason, we'd record a $2 million profit on the P&L on that basis. Now, on one hand, the first case, strawman made more money, paid less dividends, but had zero value to my P&L. On the other hand, it made a lot less money, but paid out a big dividend. And so it looks like the second scenario is actually better. I would argue, and I think it's pretty reasonable to argue, if strawman made $10 million, it's, it's added more value than the family made a million bucks. But the accounting rules are the accounting rules. And so that's why EPS and PEs, you've got to be really, really careful when you're looking at businesses that own Parts of other businesses because sometimes it shows up, sometimes it doesn't, depending on whether they pay cash in dividends, depending on how much of the business you own, depending on whether the accounting rules require. You consolidate or not consolidate those earnings. So I know that was a bit arcane, and I'm sorry, Andrew. Feel free to please clarify, qualify, ask questions, or tell me I'm wrong. Um, so yeah, I don't. When I look at when I look at solpats, I only ever do some of the parts. I look at the the value of the assets it owns and the current share price, and just say is that a decent price or not? If they own $20 worth of assets and the shares are $28, I'm probably not going to buy the shares. If they own $30 worth of assets and the shares are trading for $21, well, I'm probably getting a good deal. That's generally the way I look at it. You do have to understand your perspective of the value of those assets themselves, whether the market's valuing them correctly. That's a whole different rabbit hole to not go down to now. Uh, but that's a starting point. So yeah, for... for Brickworks has a lower P because it actually has operating earnings in the way that Solpats doesn't is the honest answer, Paul. So you can't look at both. You need to do some of the parts of both and then try and work out what you think each one is worth. I hope that's at least slightly helpful. Ram?
0: It's complicated,
1: isn't it? <laughs> it's crazy uh, no, complicated. I've got nothing to add. I mean, they, I love
0: their owner earnings sort of yep. look through numbers that they provide. So they, they yes. recognise what they must report, but they also recognise that shareholders just want to be told, mm-hmm. you know, tell it, give it to me straight. And yep. they they do that all for you. Mm-hmm. So really, to, yep. to, the bigger picture bigger picture here is is what do you want? What what do you like better? Yes, solpats or brickworks. Yep. If you like brickwork slightly better, buy that, and you'll end up owning some of solpats anyway. Correct. You know, if you like exactly. if, if you like solpats more, buy that, and you'll own yep. you know forty percent of brickwork. So you get. They're all, it's, it's a it's a, it's a it's a it's a bundle deal. It's just which yeah. way do you want to tip the scales?
1: <laughs> and the, yeah, there's, and there's more. You know, there's if you write about the brickwork, the brick business, and it goes well, you bet you should own brickworks because you get a better upside. Yeah. If the brick business doesn't do quite as well as Solpats investing, then you're going to get better upside owning Solpats. It literally is a bit of a yes, I own both because at different times, and to your point, Paul, at different times, different parts of that business have been more attractive. So I, I bought Solpats when Solpats was cheap, and then Solpats got a bit more expensive, and brickworks was cheap for a while. Just again, a relative basis. Brickworks seem like the better idea. Um, you can afford to be agnostic about it too. On. I, I, to Andrew's point, if you own hats, you're getting brickworks brick earnings anyway, a smaller portion of it, because yeah, they own 40% of it, right? So it, literally I would say, if you like, I'd start with saying, do you like saltpats? Yes. Okay. Um, do you want more or less brick exposure? And are you getting that for a decent price? If the answer is yes and yes, then do it. If it's not, then you go with the top hats. Let's move on. Um, we've got a question from Ryan who starts with, dear Scott and Andrew, question one. What straw man <laughs> just kidding he says just kidding. um I, I like it though uh, i've been guesting for about three months three years now he says i discovered your podcast a couple of months ago let's just say i've almost spent more time with you guys than my own family you poor 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 man paul uh paul um, ryan have a, have a good hard look at yourself mate i have so many questions i could fill your episodes for weeks he says i'd love to get some thoughts on things which i hardly ever seem to be able to get much narrative about in australia so if some of these are simple questions or if I'm just asking the wrong question. So we're going to try, Andrew, he's given us four questions. They're longish questions. <laughs> I'm going to say we're going to try because you're not out very good at this. We're going to try to get through these relatively quickly with some simple answers or references to previous episodes if we've done it before. So let's go. Mm-hmm. One, I love reading about how economies are going and what drives them. I'm no academic in this space, but I've heard a lot about Africa and its supposed up-and-coming emergence. If this developing continent has huge growth prospects in many industries, not just gold, why is there very limited ability to invest? Is this just because they are so emerging? There is not enough regulation to protect investors, or am I looking in the wrong places? Go. Well, oh, big question. Um, incredibly, like
0: you know, um, huge potential there, but the the problems I I would argue are uh, political and structural. Yep. So could 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 that as a continent? This is a massive continent with lots of countries. Uh, are they are they getting are they uh, getting the most out of their most valuable asset, which are mm, their, their mm. people? No, not even close. Is that going to be a problem that's fixed anytime soon? Probably not.
1: <coughs> I agree, um, but as you see it start to be improved, uh, it may be worthwhile. Asia was an emerging market, still is emerging to some degree. There were riskier and less risky times to invest in Asia. Mm. Australia was the same. Was a you know was a sheep farm <laughs> back in the day. Um, you know there are there are times when it makes more sense to invest and you need to make a decision on that basis number two how do i navigate the financial ratios on different sites and apps i've used many sites some which are large global players and some which seem to be community driven <clears throat> how is it that two or three different websites can show three different pe's for the same company and i when I check my brokerage app the PE is different again seems a bit too relaxed on the details mm-hmm. andrew uh, the,
0: the, there's different flavors of PE. So some mm-hmm. of them will use a trailing earnings per share. Some of them will use a forecast. So what they expect it to be in the next full year reporting. Some will use a blended like mm-hmm. Comsec does. So they'll sort of yep. say a little bit of what happened last year plus a little bit of what we expect this year. The best one to use is whatever one you think is the best one to use, which is the frustrating <laughs> answer. There's no, there's no wrong answer. It's, correct, it's, it's correct. a question of taste. Um, but you do need yeah. to know which one you're looking at. That's, that's why you'll see different figures though.
1: Yep, spot on. Uh, and the best one to use is, I would argue, the one you come up with yourself, which is you're looking for future earnings, and past will tell you what absolutely happens. So it can, it's one hundred percent correct by definition. Uh, whether it's useful or not depends on the likely future volatility of that company's earnings. PEs, the more volatile just, the earnings. Sorry, yeah. mate. Sorry, I thought you were finished. Go, go ahead. I was going to say the more volatile the earnings of the business, the the newer the business, the uh, you know more susceptible it is to economic circumstances the less likely the future is going to look like the past. So just bear that in mind. I, you say there's no right answer or no wrong answer. I think the, there is one wrong answer, which is the past one. Um, but but uh, in the sense that it can't, you know, it's the past by definition. You don't get yesterday's profits. You only get tomorrow's profits. Um, I'm, I'm, being, I'm being silly, of course. But yeah, look forward. Um, work out for yourself what you think the underlying earnings power of these businesses are. I know that's a difficult concept to put in practice. Easy to understand. More difficult to do. But that is the one you should be using in my view.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say it gets a lot of grief, the P-E ratio, because people will rightly point out to all of those kinds of problems. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that's true. But I, at the same time, I think it's a very, very powerful heuristic as long as Agreed. you're aware of those things. So let's yep. say that you have like, you just cut through all the nonsense and you just think, look, I think on average over the next few years, this kind of company should be earning about this per share. Then all of a sudden the PE becomes quite a powerful tool as to work out mm-hmm. whether it's mm-hmm. expensive or not. Mm-hmm. Um uh, but yeah, if you just go in blind, this is again this is why scans are so useless. Mm, Show me mm. a bunch of stocks that have a low PE because yeah, I'm because yeah. I want a cheap stock. Obviously, you do. Uh, well, Brickworks we were just talking about. I just looked that up. The PE is seven. Yeah. Seven. The current average is something like eighteen or something. It seems ridiculously cheap. I guarantee you that's because they had a really, really great year, and the market is expecting the current year not to be so great. Is that a problem? Correct. No, not necessarily. It's a very cyclical kind of industry, mm-hmm. um, but but again, you don't, you're never going to get any of the nuance just by looking at, at that raw number. So you know, it's it's an interesting starting point,
1: but but you know, get di- you have to dig a lot deeper. Lovely context. We're going to keep going. Brokerage accounts asks Ryan. Every man and their dog are now doing brokerage apps. Many people I speak to use ComSec or other larger players like SelfWealth, etc. A friend of mine's an active investor and we're spending $19.50 a trade. If people these days can get brokerage and chess for $2 or even free trades, what's the appeal of staying with the expensive brokers? I don't get it. Am I missing something? Um, I will answer this one first, Andrew. Inertia, like all banking products, we tend to stick with what we've got, despite the fact there's better deals available elsewhere. Um... Don't pay more than you have to, but equally, depending on how often you're going to trade. I probably trade eight times a year. Um, the, the value in me changing brokers is relatively small. Uh, you will very rarely get chess sponsorship for $2, by the way, so just be careful with that one. Um... Uh, yeah inertia straight inertia a, a little bit around customer service a little bit around friendliness of the website some people like the history some people like the tools some uh websites have more data features or other stuff than others do um so it's, it's personal choice i would say ninety fifty is probably too much to pay but i think i pay that because i've been with comsec for a million years um inertia is the honest answer i just i can't be bothered changing my brokerage account over i don't trade it off enough to make it worthwhile um but uh, you, yeah just be careful of two things one make sure you're chess sponsored two um be careful what else they're trying to sell you if they give you a good deal you're the product as is the quote and in that case they're probably going to upsell you to every other thing they have including data packages and current cfd trading and god knows what else um mm. which if you can resist the siren song is fine but we all think we can and then some of us don't so just be careful uh, i'd rather pay a little bit more for a plainer vanilla offering that isn't going to try and you know pick me up somewhere else and make money out of me somewhere else um but that's just me i I wouldn't because anybody else as long as you're just sponsored as long as you know the cheaper the brokerage is the more the chance someone else is going to try and make you the product and sell you something or sell you to someone else yeah yep i agree with all of that what tips do you have to snap yourself out of regret and hesitation andrew During the pandemic, says Ryan, I had two investment properties. Both of them got trashed by tenants. My insurance company pulled out all these weird clauses which were absurd in the fine print, e.g. each wall is an independent claim under the policy. Oh, God help us. Mastered insurance companies. I spent months fixing them up and tens of thousands of dollars replacing things. It was a huge mental and financial setback right when the world was closing up. And I had no tenants for months as demand was low. It was such a stressful time. I sold them after fixing them to relieve myself of the anguish i had them for 10 or 15 years and they literally did nothing value-wise literally 12 months on they sold again for hundreds of thousands of dollars more which would have set me up significantly and i have a huge universe is against me level of regret i hear that for me that's very significant money of course this which i waited 15 years and for someone else got it the year after i now fear with my stock portfolio i'll never sell a bad decision again i'm sure everyone has a missed fortune story but how do you slap yourself out of it so I don't miss future opportunities. Cash in the bank getting eaten away by inflation feels more safe than my real estate venture. understand that too. Sorry for the long questions, but hoping to hear your perspectives. All the best and looking forward to hearing more mailbag episodes. And that's from Ryan. It's a tough one, isn't it, mate? Um, Bad experiences can... On one hand, you said before, the best thing you want early on is a bad experience, kind of let you know what you're in, getting yourself into, but they can be massively demotivating and, and the fear and emotional toll of those can be huge and last for a very long time. Can mm-hmm. um, you offer Ryan any suggestions? Yeah, it's it's really hard.
0: Um, God, I've got to say, I'm a little taken aback. Someone investing in mm-hmm. property didn't make money over 15 years. It's sort of, <laughs> yeah. Australia just seems, um, I, 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 <laughs> it sounds like I'm having a laugh. I'm not, I'm not at all. Yeah. I actually, I think it's really good that that, that experience has been put out there because it is mm. just seen as the can't go wrong always, you know, safe as houses is a term for yeah. a reason kind of thing. yeah. yeah. And so that's, that's a, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, point. Um, uh, I, 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 I try to remind myself as often as I can that this is a probabilistic game. It's not a question of if I'll not, I'll make a mistake. It's just a mm. question of how often and how many times mm. like you, you're going to. Um, I just think that the, the, The best I know I've said this a lot, the best uh, approach that I do is I just sort of pretend that I blink into existence uh, every day, every quarter, every week, depending on what frequency you want to look at it and just say, this is today. I mean, just recognizing the very obvious truth that you can't time travel. So whatever happened (laughs) yesterday, you know, before, I know I've got X dollars in assets, X dollars in cash. And the only thing I can influence is the future. And I've got to be very hyper aware of this term called opportunity cost. So if I leave my money where it is, well, there's a there's a cost to that, and the cost is is that it's not somewhere else which could be far better. So what would I do today? I mean, maybe if you maybe you're a body snatcher, right? You've just in, you've just <laughs> possessed someone. <laughs> And you go, Room, I'm, I'm inside Scott's body now, and look around. and I go, Oh, okay. You know, not not as not as fit as the body I just oh, came yeah, from. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on, come on. <laughs> you know. So, I, um, but but then I, I look at so, like, okay, well, Scott's got, all or do I want that? Maybe not. Maybe I get sell all of this down, and I could put it yep. over here, and then press a few buttons. It takes a bit of thinking, but it's worth it's worth mm. doing as a as a exercise in de anchoring yourself. No one, the market doesn't know what you paid for your assets, and it sure as hell doesn't care. Yep. And all that matters as is the future. So whether you're up or down or any kind of way in between that on your investments, it's just a question of what can I do to position myself Mm. the best possible way going forward. That's it. That's the decision. And, uh, and yeah, just, just, I only look forward. I think I've said before that some, I used to be of this mindset where Mm -hmm. I would, I would be very, very, slow to sell because I didn't want to make a rush decision. And sometimes, in fact, oftentimes a a quick knee-jerk reaction is exactly the wrong thing to do. I've actually tweaked my thinking on that a little bit in more recent times, which is that I think sometimes when there's a lot of doubt um, over me, I think selling is is a good thing to do, particularly if I'm at a loss because there's no tax considerations to think of because it just gives me a bit of emotional distance to make a more objective decision. Mm. And then it might be that, yeah, no, actually, I do want to stay in that. And then I can press up. And like we're just saying it's like five bucks a trade or something these days. You just buy it. It's it's, 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 a, it, it's irrelevant, the cost of it. Mm. But, but I know me, I know me personally, is that whenever I've got that ownership there, that endowment effect will creep in and it will, I will do everything. My subconscious will do everything within its power to convince me that I need to stay on because Mm, if mm, I mm. sell out, I acknowledge that I made a mistake and being male, I never like to admit that I've made a mistake and I can sometimes make some very fuzzy decisions. But once that, once that ownership tether has been severed, um, I'm,
1: I'm usually a clearer thinker. Mm, mm. Yeah. I like that, mate. Um, I don't have any particularly... Gr- so, <laughs> Ryan, right, I'm going to I'm going to re- repeat myself, repeating myself, repeating myself right now, mate. And and the honest answer is that investing is a game of probabilities and you need to put the odds in your favour. And honestly, and, and again, to Andrew's point, it feels, it feels churlish. Um, you were probably pretty unlucky with the properties you bought because most people would have done well in property over that 15-year period. And... Your experience, though, crap, um, is not was not typical of that time. That if you'd asked a dozen people who invest in property 15 years how they make money, most of them would have said yes. Uh, and in most 15-year periods, you would have made money in property. So I think the, the – I'm not saying by property, by the way. My point is that if you think about investing over the last 30 years, I've mentioned the Vanguard chart a million times. I really should be on a retainer, but I'm not. Um, the market tends to go up over time. And so, you know, it is it is – reasonable on a stock by stock company by company basis to think what if what if what if you will lose money on some i have lost money on some i have recommended stocks that members have lost money on it sucks horribly but how do i reorient my thinking it's by saying those those losses are the exception not the rule if you are properly diversified if you invest across the market if you invest over a long enough period of time so it literally is it's trust the process trust the data right trust trust the system um which if you're a conspiracy theorist is not going to help you but for the rest of us um the i did not say the system is the big system i mean the big system that Andrew talks about you know the economy is just lots of little people doing little things turns out at scale that's stupidly 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 value accretive particularly at the top end of town particularly for listed companies it has been for 100 plus years maybe this is the end but it's probably not um, and so i think you've got to just set your sights on probabilistically Am I likely to make money? Yes. Is it likely to be a large amount of money? Yes. Will there be problems? Yes. Will sometimes stocks go down? Yes. Will I pick bad stocks sometimes? Yes. Will I still make money overall? Yes. And probably large amounts of it. Uh, and so that that for me, that's honestly, that's my north star. That's the, that's the you know, when all else fails, that when I break the glass, that's what it says is, you know, the market tends to make money more often than not. It sucks right now. I'm down a lot over the last 18 months, as Andrew is. We both said that before. Um, I don't have any less faith or confidence in the market. It sucks. It's, it's more painful than it was 18 months ago. I was, I was, <laughs> I was the smartest man, happiest man in the world 18 months ago. Am I less happy now? I'm poorer now. Uh, am I equally, equally as confident in the future? Yes, absolutely, 100 percent without a doubt. Because if you look at what's happened and you think, is anything changing that? I think the answer is no. So, regret minimization for me, I think I'm going to regret not investing far, far more than investing and in making a mistake. Is my my way out into that question. Anything else on
0: that, Ram? I just touch on the Ryan's comments of inflation. I think that's something to be really, really mindful of for anyone who's a distance away from from mm. um, yes. retirement. I mean, that's just such, I mean, like, you know, I, I think things probably cool a little bit, but I think it's, a, you know, again, who knows? Thumbsuck suck here, but I don't think the days of, you know, sub 2% inflation are coming back anytime soon. Mm. So, you know, you got something, maybe, I don't know, we steady state around 4 or 5% inflation. I mean, that, that's, that is a real tax on you mm. and your savings mm. each and every year. And if you're going to sit in a, in, on, if you're going to save money and put it into, quote unquote, a savings account... <laughs> just got embarrassingly low interest rates. You're basically just guaranteeing a loss every year. And I said mm. before the term opportunity cost is is something to really bear in mind there. And so I the, the question is is do I want good returns with lots of volatility or bad returns with no volatility? Mm. Now if there was an option yep. c yep. which was great returns <laughs> and <more> volatility <laughs> exactly. i'm not just an idiot stuff, i'll take yep, that sure. one thank you <laughs> unfortunately that's not on the menu so yep. Yep. uh yeah go, take take the volatility and and the great returns and in fact yep. in fact just to be a little deep the reason there are good returns is because of the volatility you know right. it's kind of that that's what that's what gives you the opportunity uh for yes. for the better returns so it's kind of yes. yeah Super easy to say. Super easy to say. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, take take that any day of the week. And, and honestly, I know we just sort of repeat ourselves here a bit, but it's sort of like, especially with some of the nitty-gritty stuff we've gotten into on this episode, and, and this is the advice for all my family and friends, because, A, I don't want the grief of individuals. <laughs> mainly, because I get no credit for it and I get all the blame on the ones that don't go well. Do you know what, honestly, <laughs> just pick a broad-based index ETF, put some yeah. money into that, commit to spend less than what you earn, Tip the difference in once a quarter of, of you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and then, you know, go and live, give, live your life. Do, d- yep. Don't do anything other than that. And I guarantee yep. you'll do pretty well. It's why superannuation is so
1: spectacularly good. It is yeah. like, it, 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 for, it, I, you know, there are very things I'll die on. Actually, there's a lot I die on the hill for. I'm a very opinionated, self-righteous bastard. But other than that, um, it, the, the idea of superannuation was just like, is take my money, put it away, don't let me touch it, and give back to me in 45 years' time is the greatest yeah. favour society well not so in that many many great things about living in Australia financially it is probably the greatest favour society will do for you
0: so there was a really um, I actually sent this out for our um, our member email Mm. on the weekend and one of our one of our members Vandalite had this great chart that he'd found from JP Morgan and it has it goes back to 1999 Mm. and then every year it lists things that happened in that year as to why you wouldn't invest
1: Yeah. so in 99 it was
0: Y2K then it was the tech wreck <laughs> and the bubble burst and in 2001 yep. it was that? September 11 mm-hmm. uh, then the 2003 it was the war on terror then it was the boxing day tsunamis and hur- uh, more terrorism mm-hmm. attacks then it was Hurricane Katrina Uh, Then it was the the subprime blows up. Then it was the collapse of uh, Lehman Brothers, et cetera, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. literally Mm -hmm. every single year there is this earth-shattering, like awful scary thing. And it's really, I think we always forget this. You look back and you go, oh, yeah, what a great opportunity that was. And Morgan Housel (laughs) says it best. It's like every crash looks like an opportunity in hindsight and it looks like a risk. When you look forward. Mm-hmm. And it's isn't it isn't it just crazy? Because it's the same thing, right? And and right now that markets are down, markets are scary, and it's a huge risk and everyone's trying to suggest these really super clever things that you kind of do. I don't know when it's gonna be, but probably it's safe to say in ten years' time we'll look back at this period and go, Oh, Man, I can't wait, I can't no, wait for yeah. another opportunity like that. I'm Absolutely. Going, I, I'm going to, next time that happens, I'm going to buy You know what? You're not. Yep. <laughs> You're not going to because none of us do because when it happens, it's super scary. In fact, it's the reason it's uncertain and scary is that why things are on sale. If things, if things weren't scary and things were certain, they wouldn't be on sale. You get, you get into these sort of uh, logical sort of um, quagmires where it's just sort of like it, it can't be any other way. You don't get a bargain with certainty you don't you it just doesn't exist so so if you're looking around and things are scary and things are uncertain i mean don't, i'm not by the way please don't say that 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 means that things are going to go great from here. They're not. Things could yep. drop another 50% from here. And I'm actually on the record of saying it's probably going to be a more difficult decade ahead than it has been in the past. But I still would argue that there's lots and lots of really great opportunities out there if you look for it. And the bigger regret you would have if putting putting all your money under the mattress and waiting 10 years or mm-hmm. doing a little bit of homework and finding some really great businesses to invest in, I, I know which one you will regret most <laughs> yep.
1: if you look back in 10 years. Yep. I think that's that's absolutely... Absolutely the right approach. And this is, this is why it, it, the mortgage, comment is always, mortgage comments are always spot on. If you haven't read Psychology of Money yet, just buy, buy it on Kindle or Audio, Audible or Booktopia or download it, to buy it, whatever. I do Amazon shares, not that anyone cares anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, just buy it because it's great. Um, the, the, the things we say we will do when you have the next opportunity. David Gardner, Motley Fool co-founder, uh, has been investing at the Motley Fool for, well, Fool's now almost 30 years old. Uh, and he was—he's uh, been investing. He invested. It, it, he he runs two multi-full services, or ran two multi-full services. Stock advisor and rule breakers in the U.S. And every single month, those services release a buy recommendation. Every single month, no matter what happens, they just produce a buy recommendation. And David has said before on his podcast and elsewhere, during the GFC, he was investing, and every month he'd have to release a recommendation. And almost the GFC was terrible for those who didn't invest through it. It was almost—I I want to say Andrew—it was pretty much. 18 months of just grinding lower, just this really Mm, miserable, terrible crap. Anyway, so Dave would say every month I'd have to make a recommendation, and I didn't want to do it and it sucked and I wish I didn't have to and almost without fail I'd make a recommendation a month later it'd be down lower. So I'd make another recommendation and a month later that one would have fallen as well. And I was going through this miserable, miserable time of adding money, adding money, adding money and making a recommendation and it was just this terrible, terrible time. And that's all true. And he felt bad. That's why I made the point of saying it sucks when you lose money. It sucks when the market's down. It sucks when your portfolio is lowered. Those things don't go away when you get good at investing. When you've been doing it for a while, right? You learn to deal with it. But you know the money's still the same amount of money. In fact, it's probably more money because the longer you do it, the more you've got to lose, generally speaking. So David, and David's point was, I had to do it every time. Now, if you look back now, at the, the stock recommendations made during those periods—fifteen odd years ago, thirteen years ago, fourteen years ago—they um, have he's they had some spectacular winners from that period. Right at the time, it just felt absolutely bloody miserable. And that, you know, to Andrew's point, and it's not different what Andrew has said, no different what Morgan had already said, but I just want to use that as, as one example. Someone who's been there, done that, did spectacularly well out of it. Um, this time it's different, right? We say that. you are listen from JP Morgan, mate. There'll be people listening who will say, yeah, but this time, you know, <laughs> as they would have back then. It's, and that's, you know, back to the iPhone example. And you're right, it's been a bit of a, a tour de force this episode, but just that idea of like at the time, you know, man, war and terror. Man, the, the, you know, the, the, Al-Qaeda's blowing up. Buildings. Like who's investing then? Yeah. Who's investing when the doc, the Y2K bug is about to wipe out every computer in the world? Who's investing when? And we look back and go, oh, of course it, yeah, it wasn't a problem. At the time, that was all anyone was talking about. And markets mm-hmm. moved and were jumped around and all that kind of stuff for exactly those reasons. And that's that literally is the point, right? It's just you've got to get that in your heads. However, you mind, have you managed to do it? For me, I said before, the Vanguard chart is, is a spectacularly good one. Um, but whatever works for you to get that message in your head. Um, this time is probably not different. <laughs> or if it is different, it's not materially different enough to actually mean it's not worth investing. That's got to be. And dollar cost averaging, right? Just do it anyway. Mm. You know, some people were investing at the very, very heights of the market in 20, 2019, 1920, I suppose. Um, and now look back and say, oh, I lost some money doing that. If you'd invested the year before that, you still made money at this point. Mm. Because the market had a really nice run-up at that period. Um, it is dollar cost averaging that matters not. I need to pick the top and the bottom and only invest then and only sell then, just keep adding money. It's it's literally the only thing that matters. Um, particularly if you're if you're going to buy a diversified ETF, individual stocks. You got to make sure you're diversified, pick good companies, and that sort of stuff. So it's a little bit more challenging. But uh, those big market-wide movements in either direction, that stuff's going to happen. It's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening. It's going to keep happening. And that's just you've got to make your peace with it. Just there is no there is no there is no plan B from that perspective, right? There is no there's no escape shoot. There is no I'll wait till that's over. Last week. I'm going to finish a minute, mate. The market was up, was it 5.3% in two trading days? Mm. We um, Tuesday, Wednesday last week, half a year's gain. If you're trying trying to time the market, if you're waiting for the bad news to be over, if you're waiting for the RBA to stop raising rates, if you're waiting for the US market, whatever those things are, right? Now, I don't know, the market could go down another 10% for all I know, or it could go up another 10%. But the, thing, the very fact we don't know, the very fact there was a 5% gain in two days, that should be exhibit A as to where you don't want to be out of the market.
0: Can I – so I'll just extend what I was saying before. So I actually Close. found the report that um, Vanderlei shared. And um, so it's talking about all these reasons not to invest. Anyway, the annualized performance, they put $10,000. This is – so we only went through to January of 2022. The market's down a bit since then, but the point remains the mm. same. This is just when the paper came out. So it was 20 years, 2002 to 2022. This right. is for the U.S. market. So fully invested over that time was 9.4% and they said had you missed the 10 best trading days so only 10 so I think there's about mm. 200 odd trading days in each year actually a bit more um, but so only 10 so it's a tiny fraction if you take out the 10 you, that 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 return halves <laughs> so you got a 5.2% you go well mm. yeah but but uh, the same is true what if i what if i miss the 10 worst days mm. surely that bumps it up quite a bit mm. as well actually it does but here's what's going to mess with your brain Over that 20-year period, and just all of the things that have Brexit and, you know, everything else that's happened in that- in that time, seven of the 10 best trading days occurred within 15 days of the 10 worst days. (laughs) In other words, in other words, statistically, the best- the best trading days- like the biggest one-day gains usually Mm -hmm. happen within Mm -hmm. the scariest periods. So, so when you say to yourself, "Well, that's fine. I'm just going to get out while things are really scary, and then I'll get back mm-hmm. in. Yeah, you know, I might miss a few trading days, but I just want to miss the worst ones." It's like, well, that's when the best trading days tend to occur, anyway. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just people just get too clever with it all. So the point is, is just roll with the punches, you know, <laughs> and and uh, that way you're guaranteed to be there mm-hmm. when when mm-hmm. it when it when it comes galloping back, as it as it surely will at some point.
1: I have no idea when. I'm gonna you can see this podcast by a little bit longer mate only because I want to share this that uh, I got a tweet uh, and it was really timely because it was Scott Crowe sent it to me on, on Twitter uh, it's an article from a, a blog called A Wealth of Common Sense which is just excellent if you're not reading A Wealth of Common Sense fantastic Ben Carlson uh, is a uh, ex-broker financial planner yeah it's good um, yeah. he's great I'm just going to read this, is, this This article is eight years old um, but but stick with me uh, I'm going to read most of it but it's only short Meet Bob Bob is the world's worst market timer. What follows is Bob's tale of terrible timing of his stock purchases. Bob began his career in 1970 at age 22. He was a diligent saver and planner. His plan was save two grand a year during the 70s and bumped that up by $2,000 each decade until he re- could retire at 65 at the end of 2013. He started out by saving the two grand a year in his bank account until he had $6,000 to invest by the end of 1972. Bob's problem as an investor he only had the courage to put his money to work in the market after a huge run-up so all his money went into an s&p index fund at the end of 1972 the market dropped nearly 50 percent in 1973 and 74 so bob basically put his money in at the peak of the market right before a crash yet he did have one saving grace once he was in the market he never sold his shares he held on for dear life because he was too nervous about being wrong on both his sell decisions too Bob didn't feel comfortable about investing again until August of 1987 after another huge bull market. After 15 years of saving, he had 46 grand to put to work. Again, he put it in at the S&P 500 Index Fund, and again he invested at a market peak just before a crash. This time, the market lost more than 30% in short order, right after Bob bought his index shares. Timing wasn't on Bob's side, so he continued to invest his money, as he did before. After the 87 crash, Bob didn't feel right about putting his future savings back into stocks until the tech bubble really ramped up the end of 1999. He had 68 grand's worth of savings to put to work at that point. This time his purchase at the end of December 99 was just before a 50% downturn that lasted until 2002. This buy decision left Bob with some more scars, but he decided to make one more big purchase with his savings before he retired. The final investment was made in October of 2007 when he invested $64,000, which he had been saving since 2000. He rounded out his string of horrific market timing calls by buying right before another 50% crash from the credit blowup. After the financial crisis, he decided to continue to save his money in the bank, but kept his stock investments in the market until he retired at the end of 2013. To recap, Bob was a terrible market timer with only his stock market purchases being made at the market peaks just before extreme losses. So he invested four times in December 1972, August 87, December 99, October 2007, a total of $184,000. So, how did he do? Quote, even though he only bought at the very top of the market, Bob still ended up a millionaire with $1.1 million. <laughs> and I don't know if I can be clearer than that, mate. So, I reckon, unless you've got some thoughts, we might leave it there. Um, I, I, I talk about the unluckiest bastard in the world, and no, I had it, having had that. Um, our Twitter correspondent Scott Crowe, sent, uh, sent that article link through. Eight years old now, I dare say you can do the same with the i crash. I forgot about that exam. I'm going to s- steal that. <laughs> it's it is too good. just yeah. it is just too good. So yeah. you look again, I, we've we've yeah, as we always do, flogged horses well and truly beyond recognition. But um, I, I just wanted I wanted to share that almost word for word. I, I paraphrase a little bit to get through. Um, just just keep that keep that in mind.
0: Just, I well, I, I know we've really anybody. got to go, but I, just to. Obviously, make well, make the obvious point here, so that that yeah. really hits home because it just it, it intentionally waits for the best point. Exactly. But if you were to take the exact same, and then if Bob had just taken that two thousand each year and invested every year, mm-hmm. I guarantee you he would have had a hell of a lot. I mean, he's already done well. Correct. He's already Correct. done well, but he would have done so much better had he done that. Um, and that just takes away any attempt at timing. So just
1: you know, Correct. don't Bob did well, but be smarter than Bob. Just just do it yeah. every year. <laughs> Totally. Right. T- uh, yes, it's a really good point to make. Actually, yeah. Uh, Ben's point here is just, even if, even if you'd been the world's worst market time, you still would have made a fortune. Yeah. If you weren't the world's worst market time, you would have made even more than that to some degree. A and, lot as more. Says a lot. More. Right. Right. Yeah. Literally, because yep. you would invest that two grand after the fifty percent drop during each time. Yeah. As they recovered, it's uh, astonishingly big. Yep. I think we're done, mate. Yeah, we are done. See you next Friday. You bet. Hundred percent. Roll on. Cheers. <laughs>